Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is William Hill, and as usual, and every week, we try to do this podcast for the seminary, um, interviewing guests and authors, and in this case, today, we'll be talking with a gentleman who is uh, the chairman of the board of Day One Publications, and more about that in just a minute. As I indicated, this is the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. If you uh, want more information about the seminary, as usual, you can visit us at www.gpts.edu. And if you need more information about this podcast, you can visit our media arm on the web at confessingourhope.com. And you can also write me at confessingourhope at gpts.edu, and I'll do everything I can to write back, and I usually respond within a few days. So write in with comments or suggestions or other types of things, and I will be glad to respond just as soon as I'm able. As I indicated, our guest today is a gentleman who is the chairman of the board of Day One Publications. He's also a pastor, and he's over here in the United States from England, where he pastors Three Bridges Free Church in Crawley, and that's in the southern part of London. And we'll talk a little bit more about his pastoral work here in just a second. The chairman of the board of Day One Publications, you may not know much about that particular publication work and arm, but we're going to find out more information about it today. So, um, our guest today is Colin Jones, and Colin, it's great to have you on the program and look forward to our discussion. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Great. Thank you. Um, day One Publications, it's not something that um, too many people probably have heard about. I know, as I indicated to you off-air, my first uh, introduction with it was on a book on the Lord's Day, and I didn't even realize you had an office in the United States. Can you tell us how Day One got started? It was originally um, a an organization that began uh, under the name of the Lord's Day Observance Society in, mm. in England back in 1831. Um, and in those days, it was purely an advocacy ministry. Um, we still have that side to the ministry, but under the umbrella title now of Day One Christian Ministries, um, we also have a prison work, um, we have the publications work, and we have um, various other youth children's work. Uh, and we've just started a new thing. We've started doing tours to um, biblical sites, to Israel, to Greece, to Turkey, um, various other places. So it's quite a broad-ranging um, set of ministries. Great. Now, have you always been uh, affiliated with the Publication House, or when did you come on board? Um, I came on board about 12, 15 years ago. I've been chairman of the board now for about nine years. Great. And you have offices, as I just found out the other day, I was able to tour your office here in, in Greenville. And, and you have an office also over in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, our headquarters are in the United Kingdom in a little place called Lempster. Um, we were in London, in the center of London. We were once in Fleet Street, where all the uh, main sort of newspapers were at one time in London. But um, it's good economics these days to move out into the suburbs. So we're out in a place called Lampster. That's where our headquarters are. And about 18 months ago, we established an office here. We're a corporated company now in the U.S., uh, and we founded a, a, an office here in Greenville. And for people who might want to find out more information, do you have a catalog or a website? Are you online? We do. We're online. Um, dayonebookstore.com would be the appropriate um, uh, address, web address for the U.S., Day One Bookstore, just one word, dot com. And we have an equivalent sort of um, website and so on in the U.K. to cater for, for the U.K., so prices of books and so on. Great, are, are great. Sensibly there. I also uh, noticed here that you are currently pastoring as well, so it seems you are pretty, stay pretty busy and active. Um, 
tell me a little bit about uh, your ministry work uh, over in it, it, I want. I want to say England, and I sometimes get corrected for saying that. Is that would that be the way to? Crawley is in England. Yes, okay. I, I, okay. as long as you don't call me an English man because I'm Welsh. But uh, that, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, yes, Crawley is in England. Um, we're not sensitive, really. Call it England. Call it United Kingdom. Okay. Call it Great Britain. It's sure, all the same sure. place. We just like to confuse people. And how long have you been pastoring? It looks like you've been pastoring since, well, it looks like you've been pastoring since I've been alive, almost. <laughs> I was born in 1966, and you've been pastoring, it looks like, since 1971. Yeah. And you're current, currently laboring at Three Bridges Free Church in Crawley, and you've been there since? I've been about 16 years there. I was 22 years in my previous pastorate. Great. And how's the work going there? It's encouraging. Um, we're, we're seeing a, a measure of church growth. A lot of challenges in the UK at the moment. Um, Christianity itself, I think, is is under, certainly in my lifetime, unprecedented pressure and attacks, both mm. from government and from secular society. But uh, against that, I, I think a lot of evangelical churches are seeing growth, and there's, there's a lot to encourage as well as to, to discourage. Yep, I certainly understand that, and and certainly the issues you're facing in Europe um, and United Kingdom are we're we're dealing with some of those same problems. I think here, and one of those problems, um, one of those issues, I think the church is facing is one area that you're um, that day one seems to be focused on, and and that is the, in the area of creation. When I was touring the warehouse here in Greenville, I noticed a number of books and 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 material on the issue of creation. Um, is that something that you've deliberately focused upon? It is, yes. We we have um, most of our books tend to be grouped together in ranges, uh, and we have a, a series called Creation Points, mm-hmm. and that really sets out we we are um, firmly six day creationists, um, and we've managed to get some very high quality authors. Um, to to write for us on those subjects, um, people who are experts in their own particular fields, um, and it's a big issue at home as well. Now you, you mentioned that the, you you tend to have the the books in groups. What do you mean by that? Well, if I can just mention one or two of the sort of um, series we have um, in terms of Bible commentaries, for instance, we have two series that run. Um, one series which is called Opening Up. Um, which is a very first-level introduction for people who perhaps have very little um, Bible knowledge and understanding. Then when they want to go a little deeper, we have a second series, which will cover many of the same books. Eventually, we hope, cover all, all books in the, in the canon. Um, that's called Exploring. And then we have a series on Bible characters. And again, uh, there's a, a, an introductory series called Face to Face, and then a slightly deeper series called People in the Bible. Okay, so you have four different sets here. Let's talk a little bit about this initial one, opening up. It, 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 I remember when I was touring the warehouse here in Greenville, um, they seem to be geared towards like a small group setting, or, or they, would they be geared in that, in that way, or are they more for individual Bible study, or maybe both? They're designed for both, really, so that at, at the end of each fairly short chapter, um, there will always mm-hmm. be two sets of questions, um, one of which are basically exegetical questions. If you want to understand the text a little bit better, there are some thought-provoking texts there. Uh, and then there are application questions so that people can think about the implications of, of the teaching that they've been looking at. Uh, and that can either be used on an individual basis, or a lot of churches do use them as small group Bible study groups, and they'll 
take 10 weeks or something, 12 weeks to uh, go through a particular Bible book using that as a, as a handbook that each of the students would have. Yeah, that sounds good. And it sounds like it's extremely practically geared then for the new student of the Bible so that he's not just getting the raw data and knowledge, but then to be able to take it and apply it to some particular area of life, which is certainly where we want. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we seek to ensure that everything that we publish is, I mean, first of all, obviously, biblically sound, mm-hmm. um, but that, that also it's well presented, but um, that it is also applied, not just theoretical books, but uh, books that help people to, to outwork the Christian life. Tell me about the process, and this is something that most book lovers, and as you can see, looking around my, well, studio now, but office for those who <laughs> are paying attention. Strict attention. This is we do the podcast in my office, everybody, in case you're wondering. Okay. Anyway, be that as it may. What is the process? An author wants to write a book on a book of the Bible, say Esther. Yeah. How does that work? They they do the manuscript. Is is there someone people who review it? An editor? How does the how does what is the process? What does it take to go from the idea to the actual text itself, the book, and it's ready for publication? Okay. Um, one of the, the, the features that we have as a publisher is that we are one of the few publishers. Uh, at home, we've built a reputation for ourselves within the UK, so people trust the brand, as it mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. So we can take risks with authors that aren't well-known. Um, if you've got a well-known author, obviously there is a, a huge bump on the sales I- immediately. But we, we will publish unknown authors, but we have a, a kind of quality control system. Um, if someone is writing for one of our series, then they're given a, a template of how they need to fit into that series. If they're coming up with an original concept, um, we ask them to to send us initially online a kind of concept document, what it is they're doing, what they think is is unique about this, what separates this book from the thousand others um, that are out there on that same biblical book or same subject. Um, We have a rigorous process. Every manuscript, when it's finished, that comes to us um, is read by our publications committee, first of all, to vet it for for soundness and for um, readability and so on. Um, some manuscripts that come to us are excellent. You can kind of almost take them straight and publish them. Um, others need degrees of editing. So we may get a book in that that really has some very, very excellent material in it, but not well presented. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that case, we would give that to an editor and the editor would liaise with the author and they would polish it. They would shape it. They would get it into a, a better format. Um, it then goes uh, through a, a proofreading process and back to the editor, back to the author, back to the proofreader, final proof, uh, and things are then sent electronically, um, PDF, print-ready PDFs. Um, we do the design of the cover and so on. We, we get authors to uh, get folk who've read the manuscript to endorse it. Uh, and that's basically the process. So it can take a while. Yeah, I asked that question because... Certainly, when it looks like you're publishing a number of different titles and, and works under different topics. Yes. And you want to ensure that it maintains its doctrinal integrity yep. and um, that it's clear, readable. But somebody has to be doing that work. Someone has to be involved in that behind-the-scenes process in order to ensure that's true. Obviously, the author who submits the manuscript is going to think it's fine. Um, but then you have that, that 
peer review, as as it were, that's checking it, looking at it for its integrity and its doctrinal precision before it actually hits the shelves. And yes, and nothing would actually get into print or get anywhere near to print um, unless it had been read by a number of people that we would know and trust, hmm. um, so that we would pick up any theological issues. Um, we proofread it to, to get accuracy you know if somebody's quoting a text have they put the right reference in um we we try to maintain a very high quality control yeah that's that's good and that's it's reassuring because i don't think i think it's one thing that readers don't tend to realize the process that goes into publishing a book outside of the mechanics there's the aspect of quality control as you said that that's a good way of expressing it yeah. because we pick up a book off the shelf and it's written by an author that we trust and we just assume certain things we don't realize that it's been checked by other people and looked at and read by other people and the reviews in the back of the book you know sometimes clue you in as to where it's at and and things of that nature yeah i could give you an example of that we had a manuscript um recently where um the author and you can understand how an issue like this it wasn't what the author thought or believed Mm -hmm. um but it it simply said that um uh, from the time jesus was born in nazareth of course, he wasn't born in Nazareth, um, but that's the kind of slip of the tongue that became a slip of the, the word processor, um, but that would be picked up then by an editor, or it would be picked up by a proofreader, it would be, it would be corrected in that case without even going back to the author. And, and hopefully our listeners have realized what the slip-up was. Yes. Jesus was born, born in Nazareth. In okay, everybody. Not in Nazareth. Do I, do I have to tell you that he was okay? Well, everybody was on board with that. Good, because it took me a second. I confess. Yeah, because and, it, it it sounds because we so often refer to the Savior as Jesus of Nazareth. Right, and and but not other, born in Nazareth. Other type things like three wise men and the, those yeah, kinds sure. of those kinds of issues that we just have learned. We've adopted, I think, through the years, and well-meaning Sunday school teachers have said things like that, and we just assume they're true and then find out later that that wasn't exactly accurate. But that's good. It's good to have that process in place because people are going to be influenced. Mm. Books are an influential yeah. medium for people, and you want yeah. to ensure yeah. they're reading accurately uh, conveyed material and sound in doctrinal uh, areas. Um, now, I, I happen to have a couple of books here that you have authored yourselves, and, and one of them um, is from your, ex- I'm assuming it's from the Exploring series, which yes, is, it is like the next level up from that initial framework. Yeah, that, that's our slightly higher level. We, we, we don't publish academic books, okay. so there are none of our books that would be kind of required reading at seminaries. That isn't uh, the market that we're trying to, to service. We're trying to service pastors who want application um, and Christians who just want a book they can trust to give them an inter- introduction and a, and a slightly deeper sure. delve into a particular biblical book. One of the things I appreciate about these books, and, and I've appreciated from most books, is, um, and maybe because I'm just a simpleton, but I do enjoy books that have discussion-type questions at the end of the chapters. So it sort of brings everything together that was discussed throughout the chapter and helps you think That's through the material. That's a feature of most of our books. It is. That, yeah. Okay, that was what I was going to ask you. And and what is your motivation for that? Is it strictly because it's something to do, or do you have are, you have a bigger goal in mind here? Because, I mean, I could take a book like this that I'm holding in my hand, and I could probably use this in a Bible study, and I could just adopt those questions yes. for the study. 
Uh, and people do do that. Uh, I mean, our primary reason for putting the question is is to try and help readers not just to kind of skim read through a chapter and move on, mm-hmm. but to actually think about what they've been reading and what the implications of what they've been reading is so that there is a uh, a sort of a follow-on thought process. So we tend to keep our chapters fairly short uh, and then have maybe six questions, three that maybe relate to the text and three to application for them to to chew over, to think about um, before they move on to the next chapter. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I've noticed, and and this is by no means a negative thing, most books that I looked at when I was at the warehouse aren't overly big. Sometimes that, I mean, I have some books here in my library, as you can see, that are large and they can be a little intimidating. Yeah. These seem very easy in the sense that I'm not afraid of it. When I pick no. it up and put it in my hand, it, it's it's pleasing to the eye when I'm looking at it. It's not large academic as you were using it, but yet it's not lacking in academics no. in the sense that it has solid information conveyed in it, though though it doesn't strike me as being really intimidating. But often conveyed in, in not technical terms. Right. You wouldn't need a dictionary at the side of you to read one of our books, which so, sometimes with some of the... Academic like books, John you, Owen. Even as a student, you need a <laughs> you need a dictionary at the side of you. Yes, not not sentences that have two hundred and thirty four words in it or whatever. I yeah. heard. The so other most day of about. our books are around about one hundred and twenty nine hundred and thirty pages long, um, which seems to be the sort of size that people are comfortable picking up, and as you say, not feel intimidated about. Right, and and certainly. W- Living in this culture we live in now, it seems like everybody has ADD at some level, and large books seem to be avoided for whatever reason, um, whether it's because of time, just inability to get through those kinds of works. I don't know. I appreciate these sizes because I feel like I can tackle this, get a lot out of it in a short period of time. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's very, very helpful. We do have some that are larger than that. We have a, a series of daily readings books, for instance, that um, are 365 days worth of readings. Mm. Well, that's a, that's a much thicker book. Um, and, and one thing that may be of interest to your listeners, we um, actually publish um, some previously unpublished Spurgeon sermons. Uh, we, we came across um, manuscripts, or they were, they were brought to us, um, unpublished Spurgeon manuscripts which would have followed on from Mm -hmm. the Metropolitan Tabernacle Pulpit series, but because of the intervention of the First World War, they were never actually published. Uh, And we were very skeptical. We didn't think there could be anything unpublished from Spurgeon. But they're there. Um, And we've, I think, got four volumes already in print uh, and there'll be a few more to come. And again, those are thicker. Yep. And, uh, and, but and, our average book, as you say, is quite And if I remember correctly, those were hardcover they were. as well. Um, yeah, and if you're going to read a book every day for a year, it needs to be hardcover. Absolutely. And I saw those uh, copies of those when I was at your warehouse here in Greenville. And um, I was going to ask, you know, how are those different from the other published sermons? Are they just recaptured and put in different format? Nope. They're, they're unique. They, they've never been published before. Great. Well, that uh, would be something that would be interesting. Those Spurgeon of you, fans are very interested. Those of in you are Spurgeon fans and want to uh, get your hands on some recently unpublished, um, or, or I shouldn't say recently unpublished, that doesn't make sense, some pu- unpublished works that have been recently published, um, you can go to Day One's website and you can look at that information for yourself. What kind of goals 
does do you have for the future? Like, what works are in place right now for newer publications that are coming out? One of the things that we're we're developing at the moment, we have a small series of books um, called Help Books. Mm. Um, they're they're designed to sort of fit into the to the back pocket. Um, uh, try and be American of your pants, what we would say are trousers from England, um, just kind of slip in. But a lot of them are used in churches, um, in uh, little kind of folders, and they deal with a whole series of, of questions. They're not shallow. There's, there's quite a bit of depth in them. But because of the, the way in which we publish them, they, they look very small, very readable. Um, they cover a whole range of topic, topics from someone I know has just died, someone I know has breast cancer, um, someone I know... Um, struggling with pornography, a whole mm. series of pastoral issues, uh, and they will give a good biblical introduction to that topic. Um, it doesn't assume that the reader is a Christian, so the the gospel is explicitly there within each of those books. Uh, and then at the end, there's some recommended reading, not just from our own publications, but from um, any good source. Um, if people want to sort of study further, go deeper. Uh, and they're they're proving to be very helpful, and uh, so that that's one thing that we're developing at the moment. We're developing as well. We've just taken on a director of youth and children's ministry, uh, and we're seeking to develop a whole range of youth and children's books. Mm. Well, I happen to have a couple of those help books you were talking about here in my hand, and I can just read for the listeners a few of the titles. Well, here's one that's interesting: "Help, my marriage has grown cold." So if you're, I haven't read the book, so I don't know what's, what it means, but I'm assuming it's talking about marriage and things aren't going real well. So there's a little pocketbook for that. But here's one um, that I actually have in my hand, and it's a subject that's of immense um, importance in today's world, especially with the internet and everything that's going on. Um, help, he's struggling with pornography. And it's a small little booklet, and that happens to be one of the books that I have sitting in front of me. And you could read through this. It's not very long, 60-some-odd pages. You could read through it pretty quickly. Um, but with everything that's going on with the Internet and the ease upon which men fall into this trap today, um, very practical, helpful yeah. thing. We call the series Living in a Fallen World because yep. these are the issues, whether it's something that's directly related to sin like pornography or like death, which is a, a consequence of sin mm -hmm. or sickness, but, but not directly related to a particular sin. It's all the result of living in a world that's fallen. Another one you have here, help my, and I kind of, I read the title and I chuckle just a little bit because I can just, I'm, I'm past this point in my life, but I remember when it seemed like my toddler was running the house <laughs> and that's the name of the book, help my toddler rules the house. And um, I'm assuming it's on parenting and, and raising your children in the right Good way. And um, just goes to show you that the title helps capture what you're, you're going to read, what you think the title is all about. So, and I never read the book, so, um, but I do have it here. And there's a list of titles as well in this series that are very practically based. One of the authors that you have um, is actually going to be a guest on the program in the very near future, Brian Croft. He's, yeah. um, he writes a blog on the Internet uh, geared towards pastoral issues. And I see that he writes and has written a number of books in this series that we've been talking about, as well as other fuller treatments. And I, I do appreciate his, his 
zeal for pastoral work and ministering to others and helping pastors do that as well. So I look forward to, to talking with one of your authors in that area. That's Brian Croft. And those who listen, you, you just Google his name. He's uh, widely widely uh, blogs on the Internet just about daily, I think, some area of pastoral ministry. But that's the kind of books in general that this publishing house is really going towards, it seems, a very practically based um, help the average Christian in the pew live the Christian life, understand the Bible, and, and put it into practice in their lives. But from a very clearly sound biblical base. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned the youth and children, and when I was two in your warehouse, I was uh, intrigued to see that you have a number of uh, publications that are VBS-oriented, I guess, um, for yep. lack of a better way of explaining yes. it. Yes. And you've authored a number of them um, I don't have. I don't happen to have one with me here. But what are those? What's? Uh, I, I think the title. One of the titles was um, um, "Just Add Children." I think that's that's, that's what, the kind of series title, the generic title right. for all of them is "Just right. Add Children." Um, what that's intended to convey. Someone else came up with the idea. You, you're, you're right. Um, I've actually authored the two that are in published published at the moment. There's a third um, that will be ready very, very soon, uh, and then we intend to produce them on a regular basis. Um, someone else came up with the idea of Just Add Children because the, the idea of it, they're particularly geared at smaller churches. And when you, you buy the pack, everything that you want is there. Um, there are games that the children can play. There are memory verses. Um, there are quizzes. There are PowerPoint Bible stories. There's a PowerPoint um, serial story. Mm. Um, every element, there's a whole section at the beginning of how to run a Bible club, which takes you through everything from preparing your, your staff to preparing your building. Um, there's publicity there. It really is intended to be a one-stop shop. Uh, and all of them have actually been um, bench-tested on the children at my own church. They're, they're all ones that have actually been run uh, so as real clubs. So they've had field, they've had field testing they've been as field well tested. as read and, and vetted and yeah. all that and then business. There's craft work and there's workbooks with word searches and crossword puzzles and and all of that comes on a, a cd which is inside uh, and it comes with the the publishing right to, to just print it um for your own church you you buy one copy you print off as many workbooks as you want so it's an affordable um we we, we try to service god's people wherever we can so this is a serve a, a fairly cheap way of being able to run a VBS with good quality materials. Absolutely. But and what we have found, which was what not what we intended, um, was that a lot of churches are actually not using them for BBS. They're breaking them up, mm -hmm. and they're making a 10-week children's club series out of them. So they use the Bible stories and the serial stories and the craft and so on, and they've got a term's worth of work. So um, we're finding that the way we intend things to be used often is is just part of how it ends up being used uh, at home we had an i had an email through the other day from someone saying that they'd been using them in school assemblies oh really so uh, that's we, we, we're great with that we, we, as long as god's people are using it and god's word is getting out sure, sure, and they all have a very strongly biblical content they're not just moral stories for children yep so when we tell the story of um, david and goliath uh, you know it's not just 
the little guy beats the big guy. So if you're little, don't worry. <laughs> right, it, right. it gets down to a better level than that. Yeah, that's good because I, I, I have memories of my yes. children when I was a child and going through those things. Well, we won't talk about that today. It's, uh, yeah, um, probably wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> I had the same experience, uh, yeah. which is why I've written my own VBS material. Yeah, we get, we got gold stars if we could spell Nebuchadnezzar's name correctly. You know, <laughs> those kinds of things, those, those values were really important. I don't think I could do it, spell it now, but apparently I knew how to do it then. But anyway, um, as I indicated earlier, you do have offices in the United States now, so that certainly helps with shipping issues. So if, if you have book buyers, book lovers in the United States that are interested in buying titles from you. Um, they'll be shipped directly from the United States primarily? Yeah, we have a, an office in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Um, and everything is, some of our stuff is now, I mean, a lot of our authors are, are actually um, U.S. authors. Um, and uh, some of our stuff is actually printed here in the U.S. Uh, and surplus stock is shipped back to the U.K. Some is printed in the U.K. Mm. and shipped over here. But yes, all, all of our stuff in the catalog is available within the U.S. Great. And, and so next day delivery. Right, and and with shipping costs and everything, yeah. people are trying to save money everywhere they can, and yeah. and I know that that factors in. Now, on your website, are they able to have a catalog sent to them, or do you have your full catalog there on the website? The catalog is on the website, but if if people email in from that, we, we'll happily send them a a paper copy of the, the catalog and yep. send them supplements as new stuff come out. Yeah, we'd love to have people on our database, and we'll we'll keep sending them what we've got. That's great, and that'd be helpful for people who are involved in churches um, to get a catalog or two for whoever in the church that's responsible for those kinds of things. Building a church library or going to run a VBS, um, there's opportunity there to look through this and, 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 and sort of get an, a feel, an idea of what you're going to be buying and uh, pricing yes. and all that yeah. um, being factored in. Again, the website, if, if for those who are interested in it, it's a day one bookstore dot com. That's all one word, day one bookstore.com. And there is an office here in the United States and they have a lot of titles. I couldn't even begin to list a portion of the titles. Um, there's a lot. They're focusing on, on issues of the Lord's Day, creation, specific studies, four different groups of studies on the books of the Bible individually, children's books, uh, strongly practical works um, that we were talking about on the help series that um, they have a number of titles. In fact, the one I have in my hand doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of all the ones that I saw when I was touring the warehouse. But you think of a topic it's probably been written on in some capacity by men who have been, they've looked at these books, they've researched the manuscripts, they've, they've carefully uh, checked their integrity, so they're not just, it's not just a publishing mill that's just throwing material out there just to do it. Um, these are books that, that, that are sound in nature, doctrinally sound, and extremely beneficial. So I would strongly encourage my listeners to go, at least go to the website, look at what they have. You may be really surprised at the titles and the subject matter that is available there. Running almost out of time, um, Mr. Jones, but um, I, I, I just want to say that as a book lover, I didn't even hear of day one. No. And now I'm glad I do know of them and was able to tour your warehouse personally and see the things that you offer. And I hope that this discussion we're had, we've had today will help other people become more familiar with what you're doing and go to the website and, and check and see what you've got to offer. The pricing is very reasonable um, compared to some of the things that are out there these days. Um, 
as I said, money's tight for a lot of people, and buying books is usually not number one priority anymore because it's just Should difficult. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree. Um, just ask my wife. It's um, well, yeah. I think I think you said that yeah. that shelf has this and that shelf is that piece yeah. of furniture and that. Uh, yes, but um, but what I uh, am thrilled about is that the pricing structure is very reasonable yeah. for the quality, and that's what I think is very important and, and excellent. Um, type of goal. Glad you think that. But more importantly, I think, is the concern to be doctrinally accurate so that people are reading sound material and um, they can trust it. And that's uh, very, very important. Any further comments about your work, um, things we can pray for for you personally as, as pastoring in, in the UK or for, the, for day one itself? Uh, from my own point of view, there, there's a synergy between the two things. I mean, my pastoral work is my work. Mm. That, that, that's mm -hmm. what I do 24-7. Um, the, the, the day one work is something that I have a real heart for and a real passion for. That's why I got involved in it. But as a, as a pastor, um, I feel books are an invaluable tool. Um, I, I try to encourage our people to read. Uh, a well-read congregation is is usually a good, stable congregation, and so and and the children's material and so on. There's such a need, I think, in this day and generation. Our youngsters, our children, are bombarded uh, from the secular world mm. with so much nonsense, yep. and for them to be able to get hold of good, readable material, I, I think, is vital. So, yeah, I. I I see those two things as fitting very well together, and, and my church does, which is why it lets me do both. What you just said reminded me of something my pastor said. He said if, if people in the congregation would read the books that he suggests they read, it would make his job a whole, lot, sure a whole lot easier. Yeah, I and, agree. Um, yep. I was glad that I was turned on to reading at a young age. Didn't appreciate it very much when I was a teenager. I think I probably speak for most teenagers out there. But as I got older, I realized that reading is, is something that I really enjoy, and it's invaluable um, at the end of the day. And, and it's amazing the things you remember. Yes. Um, you read it, and you're like, well, and you set it aside. You think you didn't think you were paying attention or really reading it, and then you'll be in a conversation two years later, and something that you read mm. from a book just shows up in your head. One so. of the other series, we have a, a called Travel Guides, but they can be used exactly as that. You can, you can kind of um, follow through a particular city or a, mm. um, most of them at the moment are the city ones are UK based, but we're producing one on Boston that will be due out soon and then one on New York. Some of them follow individuals. So we've got one coming online that follows um, Jonathan Edwards. Um, and a lot of those are just a very accessible way of getting um, church history into people, exciting stories of yep. individuals, um, lots of illustrations, lots of color, lots of pictures. They're designed for adults, not for children, but um, children read them as well. And we have some children's ones that go alongside. Uh, and a lot of people just, they become armchair tourists. They, they, they don't actually physically move around right, the city, but right. they sit and they read them. And some of those are very, very helpful. They're, 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 they're a very popular book that we sell. Yeah, I saw a few of them over there. And, and it's, it's helpful if you do go and you have this book and you use it in that city that you're mm -hmm. in to help kind of guide you around and, yeah. and to see some of these things that mm -hmm. you may not even know what you're looking at. And if any of your listeners are ever going across to the UK, um, maybe a church group or something that's going through, um, we have a guide to the British Museum. The mm -hmm. British Museum is a, an amazing museum. Um, it's free. And we have a guide that will take you all around the museum, but we'll do one better than that. If you let us know you're going and you've got a small group, 
um, even a very kind of small group, um, we'll provide you a guide to go around and take you oh, around, really? show you all the um, the artifacts in the museum that, that relate to the scriptures. And there are hundreds of them, hundreds of them. That's amazing. And we've got such a good relationship with the museum now that we can sometimes get locked rooms unlocked to give you a peek at things that are not normally seen. Well, my, so. well, my wife jokes, she liked to go to Europe sometime, but she jokes at me. She says, well, we'll probably never end up there because you don't like to fly. I said, well, we can still go. We'll just have to take a boat. <laughs> yeah. But no, just all kidding aside, I mean, there are so, there's so much to see historically, and it's, help, it's helpful to have a book like that mm. and to help so that you know what you're looking at and get some of the history behind it because you could be looking at something fan, you know, of historical relevance and have absolutely no idea what you're looking at. No well, idea why there is it's so historical. much Bible history in the museum That's because right. there's a lot of friezes from Assyrian times and so on, and and these things just make the Bible come alive. The, these are sort of contemporary mm-hmm. illustrations of what we're seeing, what we're reading in the pages right. of Scripture. Yep. That's absolutely true, and history is so important. It is. What, what do they say about people who don't study their history? Doomed to relive it. Yeah, they're doomed to relive yeah. it. Don't we know it? Yeah. I think we're li- reliving it right now. I think we are. Um, unfortunately. But anyway. Well, it's been great talking to you about this, and, and I do wish you well in this entire endeavor. Um, I hope this, will, this discussion will help bring more awareness to the publication house. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said before, I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about them until I just happened to borrow another book, read that from a friend, and then I got this one on the Lord's Day, and I read that, and then find out they were they had an office in Greenville. So, um, And I, as you can see, I like books, and I didn't know. So hopefully this will help get more word out. And um, that Thank other you for people, inviting me. It's been a great privilege. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Again, if you're interested in more information about Day One, it's, you can go to their, uh, their website. It's dayonebookstore.com, all one word, dayonebookstore.com. And the full catalog is there. You can order right online. United States shipping, all of that is is part of the part and parcel. If you need a catalog sent to you, they'll be glad to do it. Um, so take a look at that website, and I'm sure you'll find something there that will be of interest to you and help you. And one resource that one way of using uh, day one that I would commend is for you fathers out there that are looking for something to use to lead your family and family worship. Well, these books are at different levels and you can use it they have discussion questions at the end of the chapter so you don't have to sit there and spend hours trying to prepare a family worship you have this material you can go through read through and you can ask these questions and engage your family in these ways so there's all kinds of ways to use it and so just visit the website and um, see what they have to offer you as a christian in your walk with christ now coming up on um future podcasts I'd, i'd like to tell you what's going on tomorrow but the chances are good that you'll hear this after What's coming up tomorrow gets released, if that makes any sense. Um, But I'll tell you anyway, what's coming up tomorrow, Friday, June 29th, I'll be talking with Richard Phillips uh, about the PCA General Assembly. We'll be actually in his office, or at least at Second Pres, talking with him about that particular discussion. And then coming up next week, I have a couple different podcasts lined up, but you'll just have to tune in and hear what those are all about. As usual, if you want more information about this podcast, go to Confessing Our Hope. Dot com for all information, past broadcasts, show notes, resources. That's all there on that website, and I do my best to keep it updated as often as possible. So until next time, whenever that happens to be, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And God bless.